Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Greeny back and better than ever with you on ESPN Radio. We're on TV on ESPN News. I guess he just said that. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. My guest today will be on the Shell Pinzol Performance Line. There'll be a bunch of them coming up early here. We'll do one question, taking you live to the scenes of three very interesting football stories. That's about 10 minutes away. But speaking of freaks in football, that's where I'd like to begin. I love being a prisoner of the moment. I love being a professional overreactor. I do not apologize for it at all, and I'm going to do it again now. So Thursday night, I watched Kansas City take apart Houston, and I opened TV show in the morning, Get Up, by asking, can the Chiefs go 16-0? Then I watched the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday take apart the Cleveland Browns, and we wondered aloud, how about Baltimore versus Kansas City? They play each other week three, Monday Night Football in Baltimore. Our analytics now give the Ravens a slight edge over Kansas City, but it is a two-horse race in the AFC. And then last night, I watched Big Ben be back and better than ever taking on the Giants with an unbelievable defense to carry him and more skill position talent than you realize. The Steelers develop players better than any team in the National Football League. Say that again, better than any team in the NFL. They are the best organization in professional football. And now I think we have to say this morning there is a big three. Because my favorite stat, and I've been saying it over and over again to the point that if you're listening, you're probably sick of hearing me say it, but I just think it needs to be reminded and repeated that last year, when the Steelers had as bad a quarterback play as any team in the sport, they had three in games in which they scored at least 11 points. Ben Roethlisberger scores 11 points in his worst games. And in his best, he's going to score a lot more than that. So Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster, a two, two-headed running backs uh, group, which, which uh, apparently James Conner's injury last night is not that bad. And that defense, that's a dangerous team. That is a team to be taken seriously. I felt good last night about my pick of the Steelers to win the AFC North. I had Marcus Spears with me on Get Up this morning. I asked him, are the Steelers for real? Do they look like a team for, that is for real to you. Here's what Swagoo said. There's going to be this ongoing question of can this defense carry him? Yes. If Ben Roethlisberger and this team can put up 20-something-odd points, high 20s, 30 points, it's going to be extremely hard for teams to beat them with this defense. 30 points. Let, let's, let's take predictions right now. How many times this season will that defense give up over 26 and a half points. If I put the over under a 26 and a half, how many times this year will that defense allow 27 points? There are always going to be those games, short field, turnover, bring out pick six. Those things count. I'm talking about games in which the Steelers, the opposition winds up with 27 points or more. You know, I should have looked at this, Bubba, uh, Nuno, someone, how many, in how many games last year, did the Steelers wound up allowing 27 points? Just curious. Someone just tell me in my ear when you get it, or Bubba, pop on. So I didn't think of this until just now. Because if the answer is two or three, and if that's what they allow this year, the Steelers are going to win a minimum of 10 games. A minimum. So that puts you in the playoffs for sure. And if it's a little better than that, and Ben is a little better than that, 
Then you start getting into the area of 12 and four. So then you really do maybe make a run at Baltimore. So I think the conventional wisdom right now is going to remain that the Chiefs and the Ravens are the big boys in the AFC. But I think you overlook the Steelers at your own peril. What they did to Saquon Barkley last night was impossible. Go ahead, Bubba. How many times did they give up 27 points last year? It was three times all season. Three times. Okay. Do you have the teams? Do you happen to have that? In fo- who, who scored 27 against them? Do you have that in front it of was, you? It's not, it's not critical. Yeah, it was New England. Yeah. Seattle. And then in the final week, Baltimore. Okay. So it's Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. And so I think that defense is the best in the NFL. Did you see what they did to Saquon Barkley last night? Raise your hand if Saquon Barkley was your first pick in your fantasy draft. My hand is aloft. I had the second pick. Field Yates took Christian McCaffrey number one. I took Saquon number two. I'm in this IBM Fantasy League. I was head-to-head. I was playing against Eli Manning last night. I wound up losing to him by two points because Saquon Barkley only got six points in fantasy last night because he carried the ball 16 times for five yards. 16 times for five yards for a guy who was probably the best pure runner in the National Football League. It's impossible. If I told you yesterday Saquon Barkley would not be injured, would play the entire game, and would finish with five yards rushing, you would have thought, well, the Steelers will have to be up by 40 in the second quarter for that to happen. But it's nowhere near what happened. That Steeler defense is legit. They are so legit that they are going to be very tough to beat. And with Ben... If he really is healthy and he started looking more and more comfortable as that game went on, I believe there's a big three in the AFC. Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. And and in my view, it's probably in that order. But if you wanted to quibble with that, I could probably be talked into any of it. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Before I bring in... Uh, some of uh, some reporters from around the country for one question and a bunch of different places. Week one is now officially in the books. Every team in the National Football League has played one game. These are probably less significant. Significant is the wrong word. They're probably less accurate representations of what a team is going to be than any other week one ever. Because we've never had an NFL season without preseason. We've never had the, the abridged training camp and all of that that they had this year. So it is risky to assume we know anything for sure after week one. But I will say, in my view, the biggest winner of week one and the biggest loser of week one are intertwined. The biggest winner is Kyler Murray. The biggest loser is Deshaun Watson. And what they have in common is DeAndre Hopkins. Can you imagine having been Deshaun Watson? I know he just got the huge contract. I know. And I know everyone's going to joke around, oh, Greeny, I'd rather I'd take 100. Yes, me too. I'd take $160 million and lose my best player also. But those things don't have to go hand in hand. They didn't have to trade DeAndre Hopkins in order to sign Deshaun Watson. So you're Deshaun Watson. You're settling down because you played Thursday. You're going to watch some football on Sunday. Figure out, put on the Arizona-San Francisco game. See my old buddy DeAndre Hopkins play. Root for him to do well. I wonder at what point in that game he stopped rooting for DeAndre Hopkins to do well. At what point do you think he just, his head fell to his hands and he thought to himself, boy, do I miss that guy? Because week one, DeAndre Hopkins was the most important player in the NFL. 
because the Texans look like a team that's missing its best weapon. And the Cardinals look like a team that got a, 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 a burst of adrenaline that got, that got made the best acquisition ever and suddenly feel like a contender. DeAndre Hopkins is the difference between the Cardinals being good and potentially being great. They're a team that was 1-15 two years ago. And in back-to-back seasons, they drafted Kyler Murray and just brought in DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, in my opinion, is the best receiver in the NFL. Kyler Murray is not that far away from being a top-five quarterback in the NFL. He might be right now. Hopkins will certainly see to it that he has numbers that are top-five. So to me, the most predictable, horrible offseason move rears its ugly head. And those are the biggest winners and losers of week one. Meanwhile, the MVP of the league, and no one is talking about it, is Russell Wilson. Can you be Russell Wilson? Can you be a Hall of Famer and get as little attention as he gets? He had as good a day as any quarterback in the NFL on the road week one in the Eastern time zone against a pretty good Atlanta team, a team I think will be good. He had as many touchdown passes, Russell did, as he did incompletions. And all the talk is about Mahomes and about Lamar, Tyler, and I get it. They're all great. They're all great. But none of them is better than Russell. Russell Wilson is the most valuable player in the National League, in my view. One more thing I want to talk about before I bring Mike Reese in here, and we're going to go and we'll do something we call one question where I will bring a bunch of reporters in and just get a quick thought for each of you on, on, from each of them for you on the teams that they cover. But one more thing I wanted to say is that sometimes coaches drive me crazy. Drive me crazy. And I'm sure you're the same way. If you've been watching football all your life as I have, when coaches don't know things that you know, it makes you want to smash your head into a wall. I have no rooting interest in Tennessee-Denver last night. None. It could not possibly matter less to me who won that game. But Vic Fangio lost it for his team. Vic Fangio's clock management last night was bordering on I, I don't know even know what to call it to call it clock management would be an insult to clock managers everywhere if you saw it you know exactly what I'm talking about he allowed Tennessee to run the clock out and kick a field goal with 17 seconds left that was essentially an extra point rather than using his timeouts he could have gotten the ball back for his team with a minute 15 a minute 20 easy easy he didn't use any of the timeouts and explain afterwards. It's because the opposing kicker had had a bad day. Steven Goskowski, which he had, he was over three on field goals to that point, but come on. This was like a 30 yard field goal. It was ridiculous. And I'm dying to hear what he says to his players and what he says today. He tried to explain afterwards why it wasn't a bad decision. What, what his thinking was. I get that. He obviously didn't think of it, but I hope he owns up today to the fact that it was clearly a mistake. And I'll be interested to hear what his players think. All right, I remind you, you can download the DraftKings app and use my name, Greeny, to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. A minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Bubba, let's do one question. Hit it. I have only one question. All right, my first Patriots reporter Mike Reese, who's on the Shell Pennzoil performance line and is one of the very best we have. Mike, I think all of us watching Cam Newton in his debut were impressed, but the question everyone is asking is, 15 carries a game, is that sustainable? Should we expect, Mike, 
the offense to continue to be built around Cam running the football going forward? Greeny, great question, and one that offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels addressed this morning when I asked him uh, that question, and he basically said, look, of the 15 carries, some of those were read options where he's keeping the ball based on what the defense is doing. He said, McDaniels, that the number could have been as low as six, you know, had the ball gone to the running back in those situations. Now, that being said, McDaniels, said, I was aware of the number as the game went along, and in my history in the league, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect to be successful. So, Greeny, expect the Patriots to go away from that a little bit week two in Seattle. That's why they're the Patriots. Mike, thank you. That's why they're the Patriots. Because they get it. Because that's exactly the right answer. That's the right thing to say. No, we can't. We know we can't do that. God, I hate rooting against them. Because they're just so good. And so is Mike Reese. Excellent. All right, my next stop is Chicago. Bubba. I only have one question. My one question is for Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Chicago Bears for us. And Jeff, after the third quarter of that game, I was making notes to myself about how I was going to say it was over, that Trubisky was done, and it was time to go to Nick Foles. And then the fourth quarter happened. How would you gauge the feelings right now of the Bears' coaches and the other players about what that fourth quarter meant for Trubisky going forward. You should have seen the lead I had written, Greeny, for my instant analysis piece that I had to scrap (laughs) because of the comeback. I mean, it was big for Mitchell Trubisky. It was big for the Bears. I mean, those three touchdown passes were all perfect throws and very tight windows. The one to Anthony Miller to essentially put them ahead for good was the best throw Trubisky might have ever made in a Bears uniform. So it gives them some confidence going forward with him. But I did ask Matt Nagy yesterday, you know, look, you don't want to put deodorant on on things that are wrong with your offense and with your team. So how do you sum up in totality how Trubisky played for four quarters? And I thought Greeny, he was very honest saying, yeah, the fourth quarter was great, but he has to be so much more consistent throughout an entire game. You're playing a Lions team down three cornerbacks at the end. They self-destructed. So I think the Bears felt good about what Trubisky did bringing them back, but still acknowledge that unless he evens out his play, they're not going to be as lucky every single week. Jeff, what are we hearing from fans? What are the callers to Waddle and Sylvie and all the other shows saying? Well, if you thought you wanted to strangle the Jets on Sunday, Greeny, I mean, Bears (laughs) fans were jumping out of their skin until the end. You have this faction of fans that will support Trubisky no matter what. I think you have this other group, a larger group of Bears fans that say, look, we've seen this guy now for three years and a game. It is what he is. He's just so inconsistent, and you don't win Super Bowls with inconsistent play from your quarterback. All right, Jeff, well done. Thank you. We'll keep in touch with that one. Bubba, one more. I got to ask him one question. All right, my one question is for Jake Trotter in Cleveland after what can only be described as a debacle from the Browns. And I've had some people tell me it was just a bad matchup. The Ravens are as good a team as there is in the NFL, and that was just a bad day. I I guess it's just a very general question, Jake. Is the sky falling in Cleveland today after what was – just a cataclysmically terrible performance from the Browns week one. Yeah, Mike, the sky is not falling yet. But if you ask me that question Friday and the Browns uh, lost to uh, Cincinnati, then I think that, that the sky will begin to uh, crumble a little bit. I, I think everybody understands the new offense. You know, Baker Mayfield learning another system under Kevin Stefanski. Baltimore is one of the best teams in the league. You thought it was going to be kind of slow 
as this offense puts it together with the shortened training camp and the virtual offseason. But they looked really bad, and they were just non-competitive in that game. So it's important that they bounce back and beat their in-state rival in Joe Burrow. Because if Joe Burrow outplays Baker Mayfield and Cincinnati beats Cleveland, uh, there is going to be a pretty significant clamor in this city. Mm, for sure. Jake, thank you very much in Cleveland there. with it. What was a debacle? It's an interesting situation because in the state of Ohio, and that's one question with uh, we do that as regularly as we can here, go around and just give you some insight into some of the more interesting things happening around the NFL or whatever sport yeah. seems well, necessary. By the Bye-bye. way, um, it's one question. Yeah. I, I think you uh, snuck in two to Jeff, so if you can just tighten that up next week, just one each. Thanks. Okay. Listen. Have we renamed the show hashtag Bubba? I mean, it's getting there. I mean, I, you keep you keep this I, act I, up. It's going to be it could be pretty soon. So right. says right we'll on the rundown. On that. One question: Mike Reese, Jeff Dickerson, Jake Trotter. So I saw you snuck Correct. in that but, second one, but. but I had a second one for Jeff, and and so what that was really was a one and one. And it was it's one of those where it's sort of like in college, you earn the second one if the first one goes really well. That's the way I view one question. Either way, let me say this about Baker Mayfield. Because you could have a situation where right there in the state of Ohio, you have three number one draft picks. Now, if Ohio State winds up not playing, and by the way, we're going to get to the bottom of what's going on in the Big Ten here in about 15 minutes with Heather because I don't know what the hell is going on. So now maybe Justin Fields is going to play. I don't know. If he doesn't play, he won't surpass. He has no chance of passing Trevor Lawrence and becoming the first pick. So maybe this becomes irrelevant. But the question really is, with Justin Fields at Ohio State, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, is Baker Mayfield the third best quarterback in Cleveland in, in, in the state of Ohio? And he was the first pick in the draft. It's a cautionary tale because when you are as verbose as Baker Mayfield has been, and I like it, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to tell him to be anything other than who and what he is. But when you do that, you put the bullseye on your chest and boy, they're coming for him. They were coming for him last year, and they're coming for him again. The critics are out because they want to see you fall. There's a reason why everyone in the NFL is silent. These quarterbacks say nothing until they achieve some success. And even then, most of them keep their mouths shut because people just want to take shots at you when it doesn't go well. And obviously, it's not going well right now for Baker Mayfield. And we'll see how long it takes before the sky is falling and they are pointing at him. I had forgotten that before I asked that question to Jake. They play Thursday. Battle for the state of Ohio, Thursday night, AFC matchup, Bengals and Browns. Meanwhile, tonight, all the marbles are at stake on ESPN Radio because we've got game seven of the Clippers and the Nuggets. Our game, actually, is the first game, and that is Boston and Miami. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals presented by Indeed. Our coverage begins 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. That game in the bubble will be followed by game seven between Denver and the Clippers. And I will just say this. With the Clippers having had a 16-point lead and then a 19-point lead in games in which they could have put this series away, if they don't win tonight, there's no other way to say it. This is going to be one of the greatest collapses in NBA history. It just is. I had the future Hall of Famer Vince Carter on Get Up With Me this morning. I asked him to make a pick. He waffled a little, but ultimately he did it. It's teeter-totter right now. It's like, you ask me now, I say Clippers, maybe later it's Denver, but I'm going to give it to the Clippers because of their experience, because of the talent that they have. I think tonight, Paul George, tonight, uh, Kawhi Leonard, get it done. I think so too. 
because Kawhi Leonard wins this game. They're the better team. They're the team that is supposed to move on. And as I told you about LeBron, when they lost game one of each of their first two series, there's some games those guys don't lose. I do not believe Kawhi loses this game tonight. I believe Kawhi is the reason the Clippers win. And Celtics heat, honestly, I kind of like Miami better right now, but I picked the Celtics before the season, so I'll stay with them. So my official pick, hashtag KOD, is Celtics in seven. All right, coming up, we will get you to the most important story of the season by far. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift today. That's Macy's.com slash gift For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Half past the hour with me, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. And I've been busy with a bunch of different things lately, and I want to mention, I, I hope that you will enjoy my interview with Vern Lundquist. So I brought back my podcast for this fall. It's called I'm Interested, and you can hear it. You can access it anywhere that you get your podcasts. And it is a, a series as it was two years ago of long-form one-on-one interviews, and this fall it is going to be all with the legendary voices of sports, people who have been covering sports forever. And someone who I have looked up to literally my whole life is Vern Lundquist. And I interviewed him. We did about an hour last week. It just went up today. It's called I'm Interested. Again, you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. And Vern Lundquist, his career is even more remarkable than I realized. So not only do you know him as the voice of SEC football all these years, and he did the kick six game, among many others, but he also, among other things, did three Olympics, including he was the announcer on the figure skating during the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding year. He did the NCAA tournament forever, including he did the Christian Leitner game, the Leitner beating Kentucky game. He was the play-by-play voice of the Cowboys for 20 years locally. And, of course, he does the Masters, so we talked about Jack Nicholas and Tiger. It's just a fabulous conversation. He's a gentleman, and he's remarkable, and he's got that voice. So if you're interested, it's called I'm Interested, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, to circle it back to the conversation about college football, I'm going to admit something to you. It is such an incredibly busy juncture in sports with the NFL going and the NBA deep in their playoffs, and the NHL's going to the Stanley Cup, and baseball's going down the stretch run, and this week is golf's U.S. Open, and last week was tennis's U.S. Open. I don't have the bandwidth to follow what's going on in the Big Ten. 
I just can't keep up with it every single day because the story gets crazier and crazier. And that is why I had Heather Dinich <laughs> because no one knows this stuff better than she does. She's been fabulous with us in the mornings on TV and she joins me now on the Shell Penzoil performance line. Heather, what is going on with the Big Ten? First, they weren't. Now, maybe they are. Where does this stand? Well, Greeny, the latest is today that Ted Carter, who is a system president at Nebraska, not a voting member, was caught on a hot mic earlier today saying that the decision is coming down today. So collectively, through our reporting as well, we do expect a decision from the Big Ten later today. Um, Over the weekend, they had significant marathon meetings and sources have said that October 17th was one of the start dates that was presented to them. And look, we can both do the math. If that's a realistic timetable, they have to announce this sooner than later. And we think it's coming down tonight. October 17th. So that's just over a month from now. What has to happen? So so your reporting was that it was 11 to 3 was the vote among the schools, Ohio State, Iowa, and uh, Nebraska were the three that voted to play when this happened back at the beginning of August. What do they need to have happen relative to a vote in order for that decision to get reversed? Big 10 bylaws state they need at least 60%, which means nine of those presidents and chancellors have to vote in favor of returning, which means six of them have to change their minds. And I, I want to point out that Saturday's meeting was only with a subcommittee of presidents and chancellors, eight of them. And the focus of that meeting was the medical aspect of this. At least four new rapid antigen tests that weren't previously available the last time they voted. It was doctors and athletic directors presenting this to that subgroup of presidents and chancellors. And they turned around and said, this is good. We like this. We're going to present it to the full board on Sunday. That's what they did. But Sunday's meeting was broader and it included football scheduling. It included TV broadcast and the medical thresholds that each team would have to meet. So that was a lot of information for them to digest. And now here we are. Yay or nay. All right. Heather Dinich is with me. So I know you're not the person who can answer this question, but but it is the one that jumps immediately to mind, which is all of us could have foreseen that things would change at least a little over the course of time because it's a pandemic and things change. So why if they're going to come if they're going to vote this quickly to come back and play the SEC hasn't even started yet. Doesn't it look bad now if they if they reverse course here and say, well, we have new information that we didn't have back then. Yeah, well, no whatever Sherlock I mean you know what you know what I'm trying to say here is this was foreseen why did they feel they needed to shut it down completely on August 11th if they were this open-minded to the possibility of return what changed well it's a fair question but you nailed what changed right and if they say it correctly which is we have procured better cheaper faster testing than anyone else in college football right now. And when we start on October 17th, we are going to be the safest conference in all of college football. And here's why. And they're transparent and they lay it out. Then maybe they don't look like they made a mistake. Maybe they looked like they were patient and they found out a better answer that nobody else has. Uh, That's just, 
yeah. a devil's advocate way of looking at it, right? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think from here on out, Greeny, people are going to question why the decision was made so early. But if you can present new information and say, this is why we changed our minds, you can also present it that way as well. Right. And look, uh, there's never the wrong time to do the right thing, which is to say, if they believe that playing is now the right thing, then I'm all for it. And it doesn't matter if you got it right or wrong on August 11th. My last question, Heather, is where is this being driven most? We understand that there have been some families, some parent uh, resistance, and we've seen some small demonstrations along that front. We've seen a lot of the coaches be very outspoken. Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, Scott Frost among them. What, what do you think is the driving force behind this right now? I have been told that the president did not want to be swayed by the public pressure in the media from the coaches being outspoken and from any dissension. Um, in fact, I was told that it may have turned some of them the other way. Maybe that's part of the pause between when they met over the weekend and now the driving force has to be the medical information. It has to be. You're talking about Michigan and Michigan State, whose presidents are infectious disease experts and epidemiologists. These guys live and breathe it, right? They both voted no last time. So for them to turn around, knowing what they do for a living and their areas of expertise, they have got to be convinced by this medical expertise, this information that's been presented, regardless of what any other coach or politician has to say about it. Now, your work on this has just been unbelievable, Heather. Thank you for covering this so well, and I will definitely talk to you tomorrow morning because it sounds like we're going to get something big coming down on this one way or another today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Green. That's Heather Dinich with me, and those are her breaking moves. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. All right, I wanna, I'm going to pause on that thought because I have a lot more I'd like to say about it. This is a, this is a remarkable story, and, and I was very serious when I said to her at the beginning, I, I can't follow it. There's so much going on right now, and that story seems to change almost every day, so it's very difficult to follow. So I will come back and with a few more thoughts on that, and, and then there's a lot more that I want to do today, and we're going to take your calls a little bit later on the program, and, and then I will also explain coming up next why last night made me think of the most maligned Hall of Famer that ever lived. Greeny, the podcast. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning? Noise-canceling headphones? Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36 percent better compared to all other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star shopify powers 10 percent of all e-commerce in the u.s and shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, rothy's and brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that 
grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greenie. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hey, it's Greeny here reminding you, don't forget to listen to ESPN Audio at Home on your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at Home is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz vans are ready for anything. In just a moment, I will tell you why last night I found myself thinking about the most maligned Hall of Famer of all time. But first, if you're just joining me here, I just chatted with Heather Dinich, our outstanding college football reporter, about what's going on in the Big Ten where, um, at least according to someone from Nebraska on a hot mic, they will vote today on whether or not to pick up their football season and start playing perhaps as soon as October 17th. How that factors in with everything else remains to be seen. Stay, keep following the Heathers of the world because they'll have all this information for you. Does that mean they can try and catch up to where the other conferences are and still be in the same playoff as them and play for the same championship? I don't know. What I will say is, as a Big Ten fan and an alum, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. So if this is the right thing, then I'm glad they're doing it. But it sure does make you wonder, why did you have to shut it down completely on August 11th? If you were open to the possibility of new things happening, it's not even the end of September yet. The SEC season hasn't even begun. So if you were this open to the possibility that the circumstances could change, you didn't have to announce anything on August 11th. So that strikes me as something of a self-inflicted wound if indeed they wind up looking bad as a result of this. That said, this is probably something we should be judging a lot less At the end of the day, these are people trying to make decisions in the middle of a pandemic in which the health and safety of their players and everyone else is paramount, and they're putting that first and foremost, and that is commendable. It's not something that anyone should criticize. It's not like they made a move for the money. They did the opposite. So there may be criticism. There will be some mockery, I'm sure, but it won't come from me. I support them doing whatever they believe is right. We'll continue to cover it. We'll talk to Heather when we get there. Meanwhile, now it is time for the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. In a different lifetime, I spent a lot of time around Jerry Krause, who was the general manager of the 1990s Chicago Bulls, the legendary Jordan Bulls. And you all got to see Jerry Krause being just summarily mocked by basically everyone over the course of the 10 hours that we watched The Last Dance this past summer. And it made me very sad to see that because he isn't with us anymore to defend himself. And because Jerry Krause is a Hall of Famer, and it is an abject tragedy that he didn't live to see that day. He got into the Hall of Fame posthumously, 
And that was completely unfair and inappropriate. He belonged in the Hall of Fame and he should have lived to see it. And his family should have been able to share that with him. But all of that said, maybe the most famous thing he ever said, which was completely misconstrued and misinterpreted. And one of the many things they used to criticize him when it had nothing to do with the truth was when he said players don't win championships, organizations do. And what he meant by that was players can't do this alone. There are a lot of great players in history that have never won championships. You can line them up as far as the eye can see. Everybody from Carl Malone and Charles Barkley on one side to Dan Marino on another to Ted Williams and Ernie Banks on another. We all know that. The organizations win championships. And I was reminded of that last night as I watched the Pittsburgh Steelers play. That is the model organization, the model franchise in pro football for so many reasons, but here's one of them. Last year, week two, Ben Roethlisberger goes down. He needs elbow surgery. Their season is over. He's getting old. You know what? Many of us on my show get up, including me, went on the air and said they should just throw in the towel. They have no chance to compete this year. Start thinking about whether or not uh, you draft the quarterback of the future. Look at the draft, all of that. And then what did they do? They traded a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, and we said, they're out of their minds. What are they doing in Pittsburgh? They're crazy. They're going to need that first-round pick to draft a quarterback. They can't win anything this year anyway. And they were, we were wrong in two ways. The first of them is, of course, they did win. They won eight games last year. If there had been seven teams in the playoffs a year ago, as there are now, they would have made it. And they made it interesting all the way to the end. But the fact that they didn't get into the playoffs doesn't mean it was not a success. Because I believe that all those games they won last year made a huge difference. Huge. There is something to building teams. There is something to having a standard in a franchise that will not be sacrificed, that will not be um, let down by circumstance. They bet on themselves. They bet on Ben coming back. They brought in a player they thought could make a difference. They made a run at winning as many games as they could last year, and God bless them for it. That's exactly what you want a, a sports organization doing. They're the best. And they got awful close last year, hell of a lot closer than any team with that quarterback play should ever get. And now here they are a year later with the most underappreciated great coach in the sport, a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback at the age of 38, the best defense in the NFL, Good talent at the skill positions. They got two good runners. They got Juju Smith-Schuster and a few other good receivers. They've got a chance. So rather than punting on everything last year, when idiots like me were suggesting that they should, here they are a year later and they have, they have a real chance to win the Super Bowl. If you don't think the Steelers don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl, I think you're out of your mind. I'm not suggesting they're the favorite. I'm not suggesting I would pick them. I'm not, I'm not saying I would bet an amount of money on them that mattered to me. But I sure wouldn't bet against them. You look in the AFC of teams that you could see making a run. Obviously, Kansas City and Baltimore at the top of that list. Who else do you trust more than you trust Tomlin and Ben and that organization? So Jerry Krause was right. Organizations win championships. He shouldn't have been criticized for it. He deserves a lot more credit than he gets. And the Steelers organization is the best in pro football. And they are proving it again. They proved it with the way they handled last year, and they're proving it again now. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. As we continue next, Marcus Spears is going to join me. And then I got a text from Dan Orlovsky that I have a feeling is going to change my mood completely. 
He will jump in in a few minutes as well. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.